Welcome to the Level Up Lifestyle Podcast from Globe Life Liberty National, where your story meets your success for the lifestyle you've always wanted. We're so glad you're here. We've invited our top performers to share their story and journey to success. So let's check out today's conversation. Mike sits down with the original number 88 for the Dallas Cowboys, Drew Pearson. Drew shares his entire journey from the very beginning all the way to the Pro Football Hall of Fame from not making the NFL draft out of college. So the first day came and went. They start the second day to draft and you're waiting, waiting, and your name hasn't been called yet. And now you're thinking it ain't gonna happen. To identifying his weak points and crafting a winning mindset. And what I figured out, what I needed was to develop some strength. And how he continued to use what he created on the field throughout the rest of his life. Now in life, you know, everybody goes through Hail Mary situations. Absolutely. What we've done is we caught Hail Marys. All of this coming up next on The Level Up Lifestyle. All right, welcome everybody to The Level Up Lifestyle podcast. And today I have a very, very special guest. He is a three-time first-team All-Pro a three-time Pro Bowler. He's the Super Bowl 12 champion. He led the NFL in receiving yards in 1977. He's the 1970s All-Decade team. He's in the Cowboys Ring of Honor. He's the NFL Pro Football Hall of Fame wide receiver. He's the original number 88, Drew Pearson. Yeah, right off. Welcome. Thank you. Nice intro. Can we do that again? Yeah. We, I, I'll give you the cue card. You want to keep card. it? Right? Let me read it. I'll sign it and I'll give it to you. You want to do it? No, no. It's oh, always man. good to hear uh, those accomplishments because at the same time, when you hear them, you can't believe that, you know, you were able to accomplish those kind of things. What a journey, know, in huh? your pro career. Yeah. You know, it's amazing. It's amazing. It's a great journey. So, yes. you know, Drew, the, the, the Level Up Lifestyle <laughs> podcast you know, really what we're trying to do here is just capture these stories of people. We see so many people that are successful in life, yeah. whether it's business and sports or whatever avenue. And and you see, you know, you hear these accomplishments and you think, man, what a what an amazing journey, all these wonderful things that you did in your career. And then sometimes we don't realize the things that you had to go through to get to that point. You know, how you had to level up at different points in your life and, yeah. you know, the things that you had to go through to uh, to get to these accomplishments. And so here, what we're really trying to do is to share those stories. And, you know, there's people that are listening to this that are maybe going through something similar that can say, hey, I can relate to that moment in your life and my life and pull from that. And that helps them as as they continue to grow and hit their accomplishments and, you know, get to the to the level of success that they want to be at. So. Yes. That's yes. what we're going to do. So let's let's right. dig into it, right? All right, let's do it. All right. So take me back all the way. Childhood in New Jersey. Yeah. I'm, what was what was life like growing up? Uh, I'm from uh, a town called South River, New Jersey. Okay. Small town, Polish descent. Okay. Uh, as a matter of fact, all through high school, they were calling me Drewski. <laughs> <You know? laughs> okay. Everybody had a ski at the at the SKI right. at the end of their name. Uh, but I grew up with uh, three brothers and three sisters. Uh, we grew up in a three-story apartment home. Okay. Uh, we were on the second level. Right in the middle. Right in the middle. Yeah. My cousin and my aunt, Aunt Dolly, and uh, my cousin Thomas and, and Dorothy all lived downstairs. Okay. Uh, of the uh, And then Margie Brown lived in the top 
unit. Yeah. And then in the back down the driveway over the garage, Maddie Tolson and Leonard Tolson lived over the garage. So it was all of us there. And we were Family on kind community. of a curve in South River called Prospect Street. Okay. And this curve was a deadly curve. And uh, at night, we'd be sleeping in bed, and all of a sudden, bam, 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 there'd be an accident because somebody couldn't negotiate that curve. Wow. And thank God, right in front of our house was a pole, okay? Yeah. And that pole used to stop the cars from coming in. But anyway, right across the street was a pond, Daly's Pond, so okay. it was really nice. We used to skate there in the winters and stuff like that. But for me, as a kid growing up with three brothers and three sisters, it, everything was sports yeah. from day one. You know, I just love being around sports. My dad was in the sports. Uh, we used to get the newspaper, the Newark Star-Ledger. And that's how I really got named Drew Pearson. There was a columnist that wrote for the Newark Star-Ledger, a syndicated columnist named Drew Pearson. And my dad was a fan of his. Okay. And he named me after him. After the columnist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I say, wow, that's pretty cool. You ever write an article about you later on in life? Uh, actually, I never met him because okay. he had deceased, but I met okay. his uh, personal secretary. Uh, they're from D.C. We played a game up there. She got in touch with the Cowboys, wanted to meet me at the team hotel. Okay. And I met her there, and she gave me a couple mementos of his, a St. Christopher medal that he used to wear all the time. And a stopwatch where he timed his uh, presentations and things hmm. like that that he was doing. Hmm. So he was That's a critical, pretty cool. political satirist kind of columnist. Yeah. But yeah. anyway, I was named after him. But my dad was in the sports. And then, of course, my older brother, I'm trying to follow him. He was all playing on the teams and stuff like that. So I played Little League, and I was, I was pretty good at it. And I enjoyed playing. And when my mom or dad needed to find me, they knew where to go. Either the ball field across the street, right by, right there at De Daly's Pond, mm -hmm. or the schoolyard right down the street. And I used to go to that schoolyard by myself and throw balls against the wall and catch mm -hmm. them and get yeah. closer and closer just to use my hands. And then I was a big baseball fan. So okay. I would draw a strike zone on the wall with chalk and then I'd be pretending I'm a New York Yankee pitcher. And I'm, I'm striking out Mickey Mantle and Roger Maris and yeah. all those guys, just going through these things in my head. And that's all I cared about. You know, of course, I had to have the uh, grades. My dad had no pass, no play right. in our household back then. It's good. You didn't pass, you didn't play. But uh, he made it easy for the boys to play sports because he said, after school— you either go to practice or you go to work. <laughs> Nobody, none of his son are just going to come home and lay around yeah. while he's working. So you're going to pick practice. So we all went to practice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it all worked out pretty good for us. When did football start coming in your life? Football came into my life after we moved from South River to Edison. My okay. dad bought a house. Now we got a house with a yard, a garage. Don't wow. have to worry about cars coming no, through in the middle no. of the night in the living room. And everybody, you know, three stories. I'm wondering yeah. what Margie Brown's yelling about yeah. upstairs <laughs> and on Dolly downstairs. And But now we got a house, so we moved to, uh, to Edison. And my brother was on the Pop Warner football team at this time, and the team was called the Edison Jets. Okay. And he would come and put on his equipment and everything, go to practice, and and uh, I would watch him. Then I got old enough at seven years old to join the Edison Missiles, all right? So he's the Jets, I'm the Missiles. 
And he wouldn't let me walk with him. We're practicing at the same field and everything. He wouldn't let me walk with him. I had to walk behind him. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. And I was so small playing these games back then. They didn't have pants to fit me. I used to wear jeans. You used to roll up my jeans and put the pads inside my jeans. (laughs) That's how I played. But I just wanted to play because he was playing. Yeah. And I wanted to be like him. And so that got me into football. But I had been playing baseball already, a little league and stuff like that. But baseball was always number one. And then football gradually, eventually took over. So as you get into high school, obviously, you're, are you playing both sports? Are you? Oh, yeah. Three sports. Okay. Football, basketball, and baseball. Okay. Yeah. And have success probably in all three. All three. I would imagine. Yeah. And, and when did you start? Was there a time where you're like, you know, I think I could actually at least go to college for this or yeah. maybe make a career? I don't know. Do you ever think like, you know, maybe I could be in the pros at some point when you're in high school or when did that start to click for you? Well, you you know, you dream of that. You see yeah. the pros, you emulate, you know, you had heroes and stuff like that. Jim Brown, sure. and all the Cleveland Browns, uh, Bobby Mitchell, Dr. Yeah. Frank Ryan, the quarterback and uh, Paul Warfield, the receiver, you know, and then I grew up in New Jersey, you know. My senior year, that's when the Jets won the Super Bowl and Joe Namath yeah. predicting, guaranteeing a victory and all that. I grew up around the Jets and the Giants and then in the, in baseball, the Yankees and the, and the Mets. And in basketball, the Knicks and the Nets. Yeah. Hockey, even hockey. I'm following hockey, the Islanders and the Rangers. You know, all New York and New Jersey teams. And so, you know, I, I, I followed them and you had dreams of maybe one day being a professional athlete. Uh, but you don't know where you are. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, when I got out of high school, <clears throat> in high school, I started out at wide receiver. My quarterback in high school was Joe Thiesman. Y'all know him oh, as Joe yeah. Thiesman. Okay? Yeah. Pretty good quarterback. Yeah. Right? And uh, he was a senior and I was a sophomore. <clears throat> and when you play for South River High School, the Rams, there's a very rich tradition in South River for South River High School football. Yeah. And it's a big deal when you play for the South River Rams. All right. I'm a Hall of Famer from South River. Joe Thiesman's from South River. Super Bowl MVP and yeah. uh, offensive MVP when he was with the Redskins. But I'm so, not the first Hall of Famer from South River High School. There's a guy named Alex Wojciechowicz. Yeah. Don't ask me how to spell it. <laughs> Go look it up if you it's want to right graphic there. that. Okay. Yeah. But Alex Wojciechowicz, he played at South River High School, then went to Fordham University. He played at Fordham University with Vince Lombardi. Wow. Was one of the seven blocks of granite at Fordham. He got drafted uh, by the Detroit Lions as a center. And middle linebacker, <laughs> okay? <laughs> it's a good combination there, yeah. right? You're right. <laughs> and so uh, he had a nice career in 68. He got inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So, I, I you know, there's a rich tradition of South River High School. Uh, when Thiesman was there, it's Thiesman, not Thiesman. He yeah. went to Notre Dame, had a chance to win the Heisman Trophy. So he... Understand, he changed he his changed name the pronunciation. from Thiesman to Thiesman and rhyme with Heisman. <laughs> you knew him before. And if yeah. you know Joey, okay, God bless him. We still text each other and stay in touch. Yeah. Uh, but if you know Joey, you know he led that campaign. All right. Well, okay. we'll see if, if he hears you calling him out here on this, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> right. He'll be calling. <laughs> but anyway, he was a tremendous high school quarterback, and he started at quarterback, and I started at wide receiver. 
on offense and safety on defense okay. as a sophomore. This is a big deal for yeah. South Durham. Everybody around me is seniors and all that. And the first pass I caught in high school, my first high school football game, was a 60-yard touchdown pass that I caught from Joe Thiesman. Wow. And I caught it standing in the end zone. He was scrambling to his left, yeah. and he threw it on the run. And I'm standing there as a sophomore in my first high school game, waiting on this ball to come down. Yeah. And I caught it 60 yards later in the end zone. So I would play the varsity game yeah. on offense and defense the whole game, never come off the field on Saturday afternoon. And then on Monday after school, I would play the JV game oh, wow. at quarterback wow. to groom to replace Joey at quarterback. Because I was a quarterback on the freshman team. And, okay. you know, they and quarterback and middle linebacker. Actually. See what's going to happen here. And so I'm supposed to be the next heir apparent to Joey. So I had to get groomed for that. I've been playing two games a week as a sophomore. It probably helped you, though, later on. You know, you're yeah, just well, you're seeing from so this. many different positions. Yeah, all hits and, I got. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's, and, and it's that's funny. why I got this twitch every yeah, once in a while. Yeah, well, yeah. But you know what? As a kid, that's all you wanted, man. Is just there play. another game? You know? Put me in. And so I didn't play any, you know, when I grew in to play quarterback, you know, that's all I played. I didn't play any defense or anything. So it was kind of kind of fun. Yeah. But uh Well it, it almost sounds it almost sounds like your first pass that you caught is a is foreshadowing to the Hail Mary later on. Yeah. You know. There you go. You maybe you caught it before it had a name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, Joey wasn't Roger Stalk. Oh yeah. He's <laughs> <laughs> he's pretty religious, but uh, he's Catholic and all that. Yeah. Yeah. He wasn't Roger Starbuck. But you know, I just had a uh uh, after Joey left, moved into quarterback. As a matter of fact, when when he was there, we were undefeated. We only played nine games then. We were nine and zero, and we were unscored upon. So that's state six, champions for six games. Yeah, we were finished third in the state. Okay, we didn't play any playoffs or anything gotcha. like that back then. Yeah, it's all about rankings and stuff like that. First four games we were unscored upon. Wow, we we, we were good. Yeah, but that's a tradition of South River. I used to walk down. Uh, on on uh, game day in South Durham, two o'clock kickoff. I'd get up early and walk. My mom would give me enough money. She didn't have enough money for get me a new pair of shoes for every game. So I would shine my uh, Adidas shoes up real nice, and she would give me money to walk downtown to the Ben Franklin uh, Five and Dime and get a new pair of uh, shoelaces, white shoelaces, and a new pair of white socks. Okay, and yeah. I'd shine them shoes up and put them shoelaces in and white socks. And while I was, I'm walking down down the street in South River, Main Street, you know, there's one street right through the center of town. Mm -hmm. You know, people are beeping at, good luck today, way to go, let's go South River. You know, it's just such a traditional town for football. Yeah. And if you want to rob the bank in South River, do it at 2 o'clock on Saturday afternoon when, it's, when the team is playing at home because everybody in town is up at the high school at that game. Yeah. So it's a big traditional type things. So uh, when Joey left, I moved in the quarterback and took over for that. We were 6-2-1 and one my junior year. And then going in my senior year, we were undefeated. We were 8-0-1. We tied the last game of the season. Oh. We played New Brunswick. It was a traditional. We played them on Thanksgiving Day morning at wow. Rutgers University. Wow. Big deal. That's a big, big deal. And the yeah. game was on radio. 
Oh my God, WCTC. Family can listen to you <laughs> yeah. when they're getting dinner ready, right? Right. And I remember as a kid growing up listening to South Dakota play because we couldn't go to the game, yeah. you know, on radio. And we end up losing, uh, excuse me, tying them on uh, my last high school football game, uh, seven to seven. And uh, it was a victory for them, but yeah, uh, it was devastating. And then in the paper, the Dallas, uh, excuse me, the uh, New Brunswick Home News, the next day says a tie is like kissing your sister. You know, it was like we were the Rams and we, they were the Zebras and they had a caricature drawing oh of the Rams <laughs> kissing. <laughs> but anyway, uh, that made me cry. <laughs> okay. I bet, yeah. Uh, tying yeah. that game because we dominated. We just couldn't get in the end zone. And so... Uh, uh, that was my senior year. We finished eight zero and one. And you're thinking at this point, like football's the direction. Yeah, yeah. I'm hearing from colleges now. Yeah, you know, and so you're getting recruited uh, by different I'm, schools. You know, having success in baseball. You know, I made all state. Okay. When Joey was there, uh, when he was a senior, I was a sophomore. Joey played shortstop. I played second base. When he graduated, I moved to shortstop my junior year. Okay. Then my senior year, I played my natural position, which was center field, and batted close to 500. Wow. And made all state as a, wow. as a center fielder. You so I had aspirations of playing baseball more than football. You know why? Because my senior year, I was 5'11". Okay. 145. Yeah. Okay. That's 145 <laughs> pounds, okay? <laughs> all right? You know, you know, slant route across the middle yeah, doesn't really work very, too well I there. I didn't look that. like no football player, yeah. but I sure looked like a baseball player. And that's why I was recruited to go to Michigan State. For baseball or football? Uh, for football. For football, As okay. a quarterback. Okay. I was heavily recruited as a quarterback. North okay. Carolina State, uh, Michigan State, Nebraska, uh, they all wanted me as a quarterback. Uh but then the co the coach that was recruiting me to go to Michigan State ended up getting the head coaching job. He had the New Jersey territory. Okay. And he ended up, through that recruiting process, he ended up getting the head coaching job at Tulsa University. Okay. So now he's recruiting me to go to Tulsa. I said, sir, where is that? In Louisiana? <laughs> I don't know. I, 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 I was trying to get that connection from New Jersey to Tulsa, Oklahoma. Yeah, that's you know, how it's, it happened. It's yeah. usually it's on the top ten list of places you want to go if you yeah, if you leave, right. you know, New Jersey area. Right. I said, where the heck is it? I didn't even know where it was. I'm thinking Tulane. Yeah, we going to Tulane. Okay. Yeah. That's why I thought about Louisiana. Yeah. I never heard of Tulsa. And so, uh, but I did a little research and I found out that Tulsa had a great baseball program. Okay. And they were going to College World Series every year. Gene Shell was their coach. They had players getting drafted into the major leagues. Jerry Tab and Steve Rogers. Steve Rogers pitched for a number of years with the Montreal Expos. And I'm saying, that's where I want to go. So I went down for a visit. And man, I'd like the school size. The atmosphere is during basketball season. And the t basketball team was pretty good. Yeah. They went to NIT that year yeah. and everything with Steve Bracey and Dana Lewis. And, uh, man, the atmosphere is great. They're treating me like a king. Got me a suite at the Camelot Hotel. <laughs> I'm like, this is a big deal. Life is good here. Yeah, right? Tulsa is the big time. And that night after the uh, basketball game, they had a party in my suite. And here I am wow. from New Jersey. I didn't know. What, I, I'm like locked in the corner, <laughs> you know, know what to say. I'm, yeah. 
and the uh, first time it's probably overwhelming, ever right? Yeah, leaving home, yeah, being on an airplane and all that. You know, so how did that feel? Did it feel just like totally overwhelming? Or yeah, it did. Yeah. It did. You know, I was I was very shy, yeah, and introverted then. Yeah, you know, what turned me was <laughs> right, right, <laughs> playing play for the <laughs> yeah. Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I was very shy and introverted. So I just locked in a corner, didn't drink or anything like that. And they just partying, having a good time. I don't even know half the people in there. Yeah. As soon as they left, you know, then I can go to bed. You know, right. They're in my suite. Yeah. They need to go. <laughs> right. You know, I need to go. Yeah. Did you ever maybe second guess, like, I don't know if this is going to be the right move for me, given that environment? After I made it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Right away. Right away. As a fact, as a matter of fact, when, after I, decided to go to Tulsa and sign with Tulsa and then went down for the initial orientation and signing up, registering and everything. My mm -hmm. dad went down with me and he was going to go. We went in, in on a Saturday. He was supposed to leave that Sunday. He ended up staying a whole week because he didn't want to leave me there because wow. yeah. he saw the situation. There's a lot of racial overtones in yeah. Tulsa still at that time. Yeah, absolutely. The Tulsa massacre and all that had yeah. happened, and there's a lot of overtones. There's a very, uh, uh, very much a separation between the blacks and whites by separated by the railroad tracks in North Side and the South Side. Yeah, and my dad, you know, he went walking and. While we were going through meetings and orientation and stuff, he's checking Tulsa out. And the last thing my dad said after staying a week, you know, I said, Dad, you got to go. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not college. for me to live my life. Yeah. yeah. Uh, after staying a week, the last thing he said before uh, he left, heading to the airport, he said, son, you sure you want to stay here? Because he knew this was a tough environment. He knew I've, I've never experienced anything like this. I was the only black athlete in, in, on the team for two years at, oh, wow. at South Dover High School. Okay. And like I said, they called me Drewski. Yeah. I went to Tulsa thinking I'm Drewski. My roommate told me I was black. <laughs> <laughs> he said, you ain't Drewski. You, yeah. You, you're Drew, man. But anyway, so it was- So why did you decide to stay? Uh, because uh, I had a chance. Yeah. Just, you know, to, to start at quarterback on the freshman team. Freshman couldn't play varsity then. Okay. And then, you know, I mean, I got laughed at. I got talked about. The, my, my accent, the way I dress. I came come down there in khaki, khaki pants, madra shoes. I mean, uh, uh, saddle shoes. Yeah. Uh, not, not white and black. Okay. Right. Uh, uh, maroon and black. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, madra shirts and stuff. I'm I'm with guys, you know, from Texas. They come in with jeans rolled up, you know. They got boots on. They right. got big old belt buckles. Biggest guys I've ever seen in my life, you know. Yeah. And I'm saying, wow, I don't know if this is if this is for me. But the equalizer came when we stepped on the field. Yeah. All right. They laughed at everything I did, how I put salt on this, how I ate that, and this and that. But once we got on the field. That was the equalizer because mm. talent was the same. Yeah. You know, I don't care if they're from Texas, Oklahoma. The, we had a lot of guys they recruited from Pennsylvania, some guys from Juco in California and stuff like that. And once we hit the field, now the talent level comes to the top. 
And I knew I could compete with these guys. So, you're so a- they had me move me at quarterback. They had six quarterbacks they brought in. Oh, wow. And I ended up beating them all that. They moved three to defense. And then when the first game, they made me captain, you know. Mm. So now I'm ingrained in football. Yeah. So you're able to just shut out the outside noise and, and it's on the field. Concentrate on the field. And this is the in opportunity. Class. In you class. Know, getting the grades. That humanities class. Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't, still don't know how still, I passed. Still it. have nightmares on that one. Uh, I still don't know how I passed it. Okay. You wake up in the middle, and I think oh, you missed man. an exam. What is for that. what is humanities? Okay, what is this? <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I just started. Once we hit the field, now I'm feeling comfortable and yeah. feeling ingrained. Ingrained, you know, instead of having all the noise and and high siding thrown at me, I can throw it back at them yeah. and stuff like that, and you know, and uh, so. After having a little success as a freshman quarterback, after the season ended, the coach, Vince Carolot, who was recruiting me initially and everything, got the head coaching job. He said, you got a chance to start a quarterback. Wow. The next season. But we need the commitment, you know. So I had a long, long discussion with my dad about it. What it's going to take. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the big thing was about giving up baseball. I didn't mm-hmm. want to give up baseball. My dad talked me into it. He said, son, it's easier to give up baseball and then try to get back into baseball than giving up football and then trying to get back into football. Okay. Mental level, mental toughness and all that. Mm-hmm. You, if you lose that in football, it's hard to regain that. Yeah. You know, so I had to make a decision. Because that was a big reason why you went to Tulsa, like you said, it was yeah, the, the baseball. Mostly baseball. Yeah. Then football. Yeah. Tulsa wasn't winning nothing. Yeah. You know, the th- four years I was there, we had three losing seasons. <laughs> the four years I was there, we had three head coaches. Wow. The four years I was there, we were on probation three of the four years. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. So <laughs> it didn't turn out to be a good decision initially. Yeah. yeah okay. Right. right. <laughs> and then while I'm doing that, going through obscurity, going through those losing seasons and all that negativity, uh, at Tulsa with the football program, the baseball program was thriving. They're still okay. going to World Series and yeah. stuff like that. So you see that. I used to go to the games, sit in the stands and stuff like that and wish. So you, know, so you did give up baseball then? At, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I gave up baseball going into uh, that spring practice. Okay. Uh, going into my sophomore year. And that had to be a, just a, a tremendous decision in your life at that point. Oh, though. yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, baseball dominated my life. Yeah. You know, I played more baseball as a kid growing up uh, than anything else. I used to go with my cousins who are grown men and play with them on Sunday afternoon in men's leagues. And it started out where I they used to come pick me up because my cousin, he was real tight. You know, he's the one that lived on the bottom floor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he still lived there as we really? moved back to South River. Oh, okay. He used to come uh, pick me up and take me to be, you know, hang with them, uh-huh. him and his buddy. And initially I was the ball boy, the bat boy and all that kind of stuff. Well, we went to a game. They were short a guy. They stuck me out in right field and uh, batted last and got two hits and all that, made a catch in the outfield. Next thing you know, I'm on the team. I'm like uh, uh, in high school yeah. playing with these men. And uh, so baseball baseball was it, 
you know, and then high school baseball, then in the summer in leagues. I even went to tryouts. I had a try. I went to a tryout, an open tryout with the New York Mets, an open tryout with the Philadelphia wow. Phillies down yeah. in uh, Philadelphia in the vet. Yeah. You know, I'm shagging balls in the outfield and wow. stuff like that. And uh, so I, I had some opportunities to sign as a free agent coming out of high school in baseball, but my dad wasn't going to let that happen, mm. you know? So I go to Tulsa thinking I'm going to pick up baseball there more so than football. Uh, but I was, like I said, I was captain uh, on the freshman team. We were two and two. We played four games, had a nice season. And at the end, coach said, hey, you got a chance to start a quarterback, but I need you to make that commitment. And that's what pushed you over the edge. And that's when I gave up yep. baseball and committed to football. Uh, started 10th game in my sophomore year with backup quarterback to a senior, the senior John Dobbs. Guess who the athletic director was at that time? Glenn Dobbs, his father. Related, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. And so that made it difficult to try to beat him out. But right. eventually, because we weren't having team success, I finished the final four games at starting quarterback. And now going into my junior year, I'm the starting quarterback and uh, now I've already made the commitment to football. And I went through the spring practice uh, my junior year at quarterback, finished spring practice as the number one quarterback. They brought in two JUCO All-Americans. I beat them both out. But at the end of spring practice, now that I committed to football, yeah, I knew I wasn't going to be a pro quarterback. So I went to the coach, Claude Gibson, and asked him to move me to wide receiver. Okay. And he said, because he had these two Juco quarterbacks, he thought it might be okay to do that. And so from there, he moved me to wide receiver. And in doing that, he moved Ray Rhodes, who had transferred from TCU and playing wide receiver. Ray Rhodes, the coach of Green Bay and the yeah. Eagles, and played with the New York Giants, yeah. that same Ray Rhodes. Ray Rose, he was the starting wide receiver at the flanker position. So now they moved me there and put me at the starter. And doing that, they moved Ray Rose to the backfield at running back. Okay. And Ray Rose, to this day, is still upset with me about that. Because <laughs> you don't want to play running back at Tulsa University yeah. back then. Yeah. I mean, we're playing Florida State, Arkansas, yeah. TCU, Texas Tech. Uh, and it's hard to get the run game established. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're yeah. going for the money. Yeah. Okay. We're yeah. not going, you know. But anyway, Ray was getting tagged back there, and they moved me to receiver. And my junior year at receiver, I caught 22 passes. You know, nothing. Yeah. Lonely out there. Yeah. Senior year, 33 passes, 55 passes in two years. But the thing I think that caught the scout's eye, especially the, uh, the Cowboys, Gil uh -huh. Brandt, is that I averaged 21 yards a catch on those catches so you get a lot of yards on yeah. on not a lot and of so catches. that said something to them yeah and then moving from quarterback to receivers said something to them about your intelligence yeah. level sure okay and uh, how you approach the game and stuff like that so uh you know it's it was like wallowing in obscurity there for right four years at tulsa yeah you know i go to the mailbox no junk mail, no nothing, no letter from mom, no mail, from a uh, check from dad. You're just here in the middle of <laughs> Oklahoma mean, just, trying to figure it out. You know, and everybody's from Texas and everywhere and and all that kind of stuff. And 
It was a it was a uh, tough transition, but I stuck it out. I could have left after yeah. my freshman year. My dad was even for it, but uh, I decided to stick it out. You made friends, you had sure. you know, and all that. You had camaraderie with certain guys, and you don't want to leave that. And you the gained their respect, yeah. You know, over time, you know, and so you didn't want to. You didn't want to leave that environment at that time. Yeah. Plus, I knew a few ladies down there in Hood Hood. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> you want to have to start over. Uh, you right. wonder how I got through hum- yeah. humanities. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. <laughs> so, so uh, you know, you get to the point where you're you're finishing up your college career. Uh, I'm assuming there's you, know, you said that there's scouts talking to you. Yeah. Cowboys are talking to you. Uh, so, take me leading up to the draft. Are are you you're anticipating that you're going to be drafted yeah. with your yards per catch and some of the things the scouts are telling you when well, you're going. Yeah, in. they scout. Well, we had some good players, even yeah. though we didn't have team. Oh, excuse, we didn't have team success. We had some good players. Yeah, and uh, we had two guys go in the second round. Rock okay. McGill went to the 49ers, defensive back. Uh, uh, Arthur Moore, defensive end, went to the New England Patriots. Eddie White went to the Patriots. My roommate George Haynes. Uh, went to, uh, where do you go? Patriots as well. Okay. Uh, uh, so we were getting players drafted. So we had scouts come in and working out these guys. And, and, and you I was and part of that group yeah. of seniors yeah. working out. And so, you know, the Cowboys were there and all these other teams, the Steelers, the Green Bay, and all these teams were there. And But, you know, uh, I think my downfall – was one day I worked out for Cowboy Scout Reed Johnson. Okay. And I wore shorts instead of sweats. Hmm. And I think he saw my legs. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Have you come up from 145 at this point, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm about 160. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> but, I, you know, my legs, don't look at them, okay? Yeah. And you're wondering how you carry yourself with those things. And I... You know, I think that was a mistake. Okay. Because they're not football legs. They're right. baseball legs. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, anyway. Uh, so, so you're sitting there, you're waiting, you're, you know, so you're, you're the draft, watching the yeah. draft. I had gotten married. Okay. Going into my senior year. Okay. Uh, met young, beautiful young lady uh, who was a uh, senior in high school and all that. And she graduated and we're dating and all that. And. You know, it get pretty lonely at Tulsa for a sure. black athlete. So yeah. If you found one sister. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <And> you're, <laughs> you're like, yeah, hey, you beat all the other guys to her. Right. You know? Right. But anyway, she was pretty popular herself because her father was Marcus Haynes. Oh, okay. The original Harlem Globetrotter. Yeah. You know, yeah. So that was a, a big deal. But anyway, uh, got married and now, you know, I'm, not, I'm off campus living in a college apartment and all that. And here comes the draft. The draft is happening. The first day the draft comes, you know, we're sitting around waiting anxious, anxious, anxiously, yeah. you know, and sitting by that phone and no caller ID or anything. Right, and, just wait for it to ring. You know, people are calling, hey, you heard anything yeah. yet? No, yeah. don't get off the phone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Keep the phone line open. You, you don't know? want a busy tone if that. they're trying your to call you. mom's calling, your dad's calling, yeah. no, I didn't get drafted, no, 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 no. So the first day came and went. And then here they start the second day of the draft, and you're waiting, waiting, and you get to the 11th round, 12th mm. round, 13th, 14th, 15th round, 
and your name hasn't been called yet, and now you're thinking it ain't going to happen. Yeah. And so now you're, you're drinking little Boone's Farm. You know, you're drowning <laughs> your sorrows. I was drinking that apple. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Only thing I could afford. Right. <laughs> uh, after I signed with the Cowboys, I had graduated to Mad Dog 2020. Okay. 2020. It was an upgrade. <laughs> That's an upgrade. Yeah. But uh, anyway, so I was disappointed. You know, and then the night falls and nothing happening. And then the phone started ringing. And I got a call. The, d- the draft ended. Yeah. Phone started ringing. First call was from the Pittsburgh Steelers. Okay. That made me happy. Okay. Yeah. We want to sign you. No, no, no. We'll be in town uh, later uh, in the week. We'd like to meet with you and see if we can sign you. Yeah. And then the second call came from the Green Bay Packers. Okay. And they say, we're interested in you and hope you don't sign anybody before you give us a chance to sign as a free agent. And the third and final call was from the Dallas Cowboys. And the clincher for them was that it was scout Bob Griffin, the late Bob Griffin, God rest his soul. He was at the Camelot Hotel. Camelot Hotel was on I-44 in Tulsa, Oklahoma. He's there. He was there. Yeah. He was there in town. Can't believe you didn't get drafted. We want to sign you to a contract right now. Can you come down to the Camelot Hotel? I'm like going crazy. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, sir. Uh, Let's can go. you give me yeah. about an hour? I'll be down. Because I had to sober up a little. Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> Take a shower, clean up. Yeah, you a know. cup of coffee, right? Yeah. And so uh, in getting married, Marcus Haynes had given us for a wedding gift a car. Okay. It was a 1954 Ford. <laughs> It was yellow with a white top with a stick shift on the collar. Okay. It just sat in a driveway at the apartment complex because I didn't know how to drive yeah. a stick shift. Yeah. But I had to get to the Camelot Hotel that night. You're burning a clutch the whole way oh, there. Oh, the right? whole, yeah. I'm bucking. Yeah. I'm like <laughs> using up all the gas and everything. And I finally make it there. And uh, Bob Griffin's there. And he said, we well, want to sign you to a contract. I said, fine. I'm, I know I'm going to sign this. Yeah. I don't care what what it is. I'm thinking it's going to be some decent money, more than I ever had in my life. Right. You know, so he said, yeah, we want to sign to a contract. And he laid the contract out and the base salary was $14,500. And I said, hmm, okay. Well, they're going to must, must going to make it up in the signing bonus. Yeah. <laughs> and he said, okay, we got a signing bonus for you. Sure we do. The signing bonus, he let, went in his pocket. And he laid out seven twenties and a ten <laughs> in cash. And that was my signing bonus. It's not even on the records. It's you know just cash. I said no check. Right yeah, I can frame it, <laughs> take a picture of it, you know, or something like that. Seven twenties and a ten. Wow. So uh, I said, well, I need the gas money to get back to the apartment. There you go. I said, I'll take it. You burn it all I didn't out. I hold out to drive for two hundred dollars, yeah, or uh, fifteen thousand dollars. You know, base salary. You got me crying. I'm oh, laughing so hard. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I said, okay, I signed, and I signed right then and there with the Dallas Cowboys, and went back to the college department. Told the wife, we only got seventy five dollars. And then went to the dorm with the boys. Yeah. Had a party. Finished yep. off that Boone's Farm with the other seventy five. Yeah. But anyway, it, was, it wasn't about the money. It was about this opportunity to play for the Dallas Cowboys. So you and, came down and that, that— You know, when you're at Tulsa, 
you got a lot of regional games back then, uh, NFL games. Right. And we always got the Cowboys. I couldn't stand the Cowboys. I'm a Giant and Jet fan. Yeah. You know, I didn't want the Cowboys. Uh, Cowboys are on again. Cowboys are yeah. on again. Only guy I liked on the Cowboys was Bob Hayes, you know. But now I signed with the Cowboys. I'm finding out about them and I'm saying, yeah, maybe. Yeah. So I go down there for the first mini camp at the end of February because the draft was in February then. I go down there for the first mini camp. It's just all rookies. And uh, I'm running routes for Craig Morton, Jack Cancan, wow. veteran quarterback. Roger wasn't there, but these veteran quarterbacks and – I'm dropping balls I never dropped in my life because of so just, the velocity. They're throwing so hard. Balls, you know, hmm. I'm catching these curveballs from Todd Starks and Roland Whitehurst at yeah. Tulsa, you know, and Steve Bowling. No, this ain't the same. Yeah. And what I figured out, what I needed was to develop some strength, you know, so hand strength, hand strength, yeah. physical strength, yeah. period. Yeah. And so I go back to, Tulsa after, I mean, back, yeah, back to Tulsa after the two-day mini camp, and I'm in the weight room. Everybody's shocked. What are you doing here? I didn't even think you knew where the weight room was and all this kind of stuff. But we had an extensive weight room because our trainer was a bodybuilder. You know, he's a former Mr. America and all that. Mm -hmm. So we had a great weight room. So I went in there and started lifting, trying to build up hand strength and all that. And to my surprise, I got invited back one of the select rookies to be invited back to the next mini camp where the veterans were going to be. And now with that improvement, now I'm catching everything. Yeah. I'm snagging balls and all that, feeling a little more confident. And so uh, anyway, that leads to an uh, opportunity to, get, to go to training camp. And at training camp, you know, when I got there, I thought I was special until you get off the airplane and the guy in a Dallas Cowboy T-shirt is there to meet you. He said, get your luggage and then get on the bus. And then we <laughs> got to wait until about pick up five or six or seven, eight, ten more guys before we take off. So you're sitting on a bus till it loads up and then you drive to Thousand Oaks. And then you get there in your first meeting. You're looking around. There's like 100 other rookies. Yeah. 17 draft choices and the rest are free agents. Wow. Just like you. Trying to make the team. Trying to make the team. Yeah. And so you go through two straight weeks of two-a-days where Landry is trying to kill you. Yeah. He's trying Couldn't to ever see. happen anymore in no, the NFL. He's trying yeah. to see who got it. Yeah. Who can handle this. If you can handle his first two weeks of two-a-days, then maybe you have a shot when the veterans come in the next week. So what are you thinking? Because now you're going through another week of two-a-days with the veterans. Yeah. So you're going through uh, almost eight weeks of two a days, four four week, uh, four four two a day practices a week. Was that shocking to you to come and see all these people and then go through that level of physical training? Like you didn't you didn't expect that, or? Well, what was shocking to me is uh, once the veterans came in. Now, when the rookie was there, I knew I could compete with these guys. Yeah, I said I got the talent. You know, I'm you know the draft picks. You know, Golden Richards was there, second round draft pick, wide receiver from Hawaii. You know, and I'm watching him. I said, yeah. <laughs> You know, he ain't got nothing much more than me. But when the veterans came in, oh, my God, everything you felt comfort, confident about 
going through the rookie camp and doing what you did. Now mm -hmm. you're like, oh my God, I'll never make it. Yeah. These guys come in like they never missed a beat. They're in and out of the huddle. They know the plays. They know the system and all that kind of stuff. You're saying, man, I'll, I'll never catch up to these guys. So uh, eventually you get opportunities and one thing leads to another. I remember in practice, I caught a pass down the sideline from Roger. I'm just a rookie. I got the green pants on. Rookies had to wear the uh, green uh, pants yeah. to, so you know everybody knows you're a rookie. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And I'm running down the sideline, and uh, Roger threw that thing out there, and it, I, I had the defensive back on my, my shoulder, and I reached out and snagged that ball with one hand into the back of the end zone, did the toe dance. It's just in practice. Yeah. But that caught the coach's eye. Live to play another day. Right. That's what you're trying to do every day yeah. going through training camp. So that got me a chance to uh, get in some game time in a preseason. Uh, my first preseason game, we're playing the Rams in the Coliseum. Wow. I get to my locker at, my, uh, uh, at the Coliseum getting ready to get dressed. And my jersey number they gave me was number 13. <laughs> I said, oh, Lord, I'm cut. <laughs> number 13? Uh, Harvey Martin was my roommate. I went over to Harvey. What number they give you? 79? <laughs> yeah, yeah, defensive end. I said, yeah. Harvey, I'm cut. They gave me yeah. number 13. And so I'm out there in my first preseason game in 13, and I'm supposed to run punts back. Well, the Rams don't punt to the third quarter, end of the third quarter. Yeah. I'm about peeing in my pants on the side, <laughs> waiting for a chance to get in or when is it going to happen? Is it going to happen? Right. And I get out there in my first game against the Rams in the Coliseum under the lights. Finally, in a, late in the third quarter, they punt. I'm on the 50-yard line, and I'm looking up. I'm looking up. I'm about to catch that thing. It hit my shoulder pads and went right through. Oh, no. And they recover. And I'm on this my This is knee. your opportunity. I'm on one knee. I looked at a sideline, Coach Landry looking. Oh. <laughs> and I said, I'm dead. You thought it was it? I did. Yeah. I'm cut. Yeah. And I, but later in the game, in the fourth quarter, they punted again. Coach Landry sent me back out there. So did this you time to I give catch you another it, shot? And I go 59 yards down the sideline <laughs> and get knocked out from the angle at the one yard line. Oh, wow. And that got me to live to play another day. Just Two plays back to back. back one to back. is going to end your career and one saves your career. Saved the career. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. And that's how we had to operate as a rookie. Yeah. Day to day, practice to practice, meeting to meeting. You know, you didn't know if you're going to wake up and not hear yeah. that knock on the door. Uh, Drew Pearson, bring your playbook. No, Coach Landry wants to see you and bring your playbook. That's what it's not know. to review plays. It's over. Yeah, <laughs> you know it's over. You know negotiations. Well, and it's you've got to you've got to just <laughs> let go of anything bad that just happened and focus on the next rep every time, right? I mean, it's that that's got to be so important oh, when yeah. you're trying to make the team. Just yeah. don't carry anything with you. Yeah, and you know, and I, I made the transition from quarterback to wide receiver. I only been a receiver for two years. Mm. I didn't know much about the position. Yeah. And when I got to the Cowboys, my receiver coach was Mike Dicker. 
Oh, wow. <laughs> you know? Yeah. He's a hell of a tight end, Hall of Famer. Yeah. You know, but he didn't know crap about wide receiver running yeah. ride, ride receiver routes. But the blessing for me was that offseason, the Cowboys made a trade with the Miami Dolphins. They traded Ron Sellers to the Dolphins for Otto Stowe. Otto Stowe had been playing three years behind Paul Warfield yeah. in Miami. He wanted to get out of Miami. And so Otto Stowe comes to the Cowboys, and he's playing the same position at wide receiver right. I'm playing. So I just got in his back pocket. He didn't know I was there. Yeah. I was like his shadow. I'm learning not, I'm from him. running and emulating the routes just like he did because he was running it and emulating them just like Paul Warfield. Yeah. And Paul Warfield was one of my heroes. I knew how he was, yeah. you know, his game. So you're just finding those people that are winning and I'm just going to, I'm going to be like them. I'm just going to model myself in game and learn from them. Now I yeah. learned a lot from Mike Dicker. Had to knock somebody's head off, right? Because <laughs> I said, "Mike, uh, this guy's like six six five. He's a defensive. I ah, just knock his head off." I said, "Okay," but I learned a lot from Mike Dicker about being a professional, okay. how to yeah. approach the game, how to yeah. approach practice, how to approach meetings, how to prepare, and stuff like that. You know, and that's why he's a Hall of Famer. Yeah, because the way he did it. You know, so uh, anyway, you know, I'm out there all of a sudden making plays and. Made the team, but here's the deal. I had gotten cut in the last cut in my rookie year. Really? And on the final cut down, the Cowboys had put me on waivers. But I'm making all these plays in, in preseason games against the uh, the Houston Oilers uh, in, in the actual dome. I get in for one series. I come in on a, a short motion and I run a post pattern down the m middle of the field and Craig Morton lays it out there. And I make a great catch. We're playing the Miami Dolphins in my final preseason game. I get no game because the veterans are playing. I return the second half kickoff, 53 yards down yeah. the sideline. All these things are happening. Now I'm on the team. And now eventually, you know, I'm just doing special teams. But eventually I get a chance to start at wide receiver because the two guys ahead of me got hurt. They get hurt. In consecutive weekends and no one's there but me. So how important is it. being ready for that moment before it comes up? Are you talking about all these plays you're making, yeah. the work that you did? You know, you made that decision, like, I got to get stronger to be good at wide receiver. You didn't wait until it's, okay, now it's Drew Pearson's time. Yeah. You had to make all those decisions and, and actions before. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it had to be me. Yeah. You know, you couldn't wait because it's the pro football level. They don't wait on you to get get up to speed. It's up it's to up you, to, to, you yeah. to get up to speed to what they're doing. And so uh, it was up to me to do what I had to do to add the extra poundage through weight weight training and stuff like that. Uh, be prepared. Know my assignments so well. Not just my assignments, but the other receivers, The off, what the whole offense was doing, the mm -hmm. whole concept of the offense. You know, Coach Landry looked for uh, four things in players that he brought into the Cowboys. And I found this out later after I made the team, you know. Four things he looked for. Number one he looked for was character, all right? You had to have good character play for Tom Landry. Yeah. You think of all these great players, a Leroy Jordan, a, a Bob Lilly, a Roger Staubach, a Calvin Hill, you know, uh, uh, Mel Renfro. These are character guys, yeah. you know. The second thing Coach Landry looked for was intelligence. You had to be smart to play for Tom Landry. Tom Landry was pretty smart himself. 
Okay, he was an engineer. He graduated engineer degree from Texas mm-hmm. University of Texas. He mm-hmm. flew fighter pilots, planes in the, in the, in the war, and all that kind yeah. of stuff. So he's very analytical. So you had to have a certain level of intelligence. The to complex for Tom game Landry. plan, and you know, look at yeah. Roger Staubach. He ran a naval academy. You got to yeah. be pretty smart to go through that. Yeah. You know, uh, Calvin Hill, Yale University, first NFL player ever drafted out of Yale. Who drafted in the Cowboys? Because Tom Landry saw that level of intelligence. Yeah, uh, Drew Pearson from Tulsa. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, we had a lot of lot of. But the the third thing he looked for after character intelligence was passion. He wanted guys that loved the game, meaning that you love practice, you love the meetings, you love the whole process of being a pro football player. The passion, you know, and doing everything, anything that it took. To be that guy that day, not to be the one to mess up mm-hmm. and cost the team the victory, but be that one to make the difference and cost the team, uh, help the team to a victory. Help the team win. And then the final thing he looked for was talent. I went, I'm four six. I can't dunk a basketball. Yeah. You know, you know, I'm the slowest guy on the on the field. You know, I, you know, all these kind of things. I, but I had talent to catch the football. I had some talent. And he had the desire. And if you have the other three and yeah. talent, he can coach you up. Yeah. If you're part of that process, he can coach you up to be a Hall of Famer. You know, why? Because you're around other guys. Right. That doing it that same way, you know, and that and what they bring to the table. And you want to be part of that. You know, I didn't know. I did not want to. I talked noise about contract and. I'm going to hold out and all this kind of, you don't want me, trade me. No, I didn't want to go nowhere. I wanted to be a Dallas Cowboy. Yeah. And I think I made the right decision when you think about where I could have went to Pittsburgh or Green Bay. Uh, too cold up there <laughs> with this brother to be catching <laughs> passes. We had no gloves back then or nothing. Yeah. And I didn't go to Pittsburgh. And Lynn Swan, every time he sees me, he thanks me for that because they would have never drafted him yeah, the next that's year. True. And he would have never true. got to wear number 88. And he yeah. probably wouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. So Lynn keeps sending that check every that's, month. That's right. Appreciate that's you, right. buddy. Uh, you know, but you, you did catch a big pass in the cold in, in yeah. Minnesota for yeah. the Hail Mary. Yeah. Um, you, you know, then... In '77, you you lead the NFL in receptions. I think wasn't that the Cowboys had two thousand yard receivers and a thousand yard back? Seventy nine. Oh, seventy nine. Okay. Yeah. So I went over a thousand my second year in the league. Okay. Kind of like C.D. Lamb is doing. You know? Yeah. He's doing this yeah. thing. He's in He's carrying 88. that eighty eight. You know, eighty eight club. That's you know, right. we text uh, the club texts each other. Uh, throughout the game. Okay. And we just don't want CD to be responding. Yeah, okay? yeah that's not a good <laughs> Guys, come on, CD, put that phone down. <laughs> you Concentrate catch up, on the game. Catch up after the game. But the club is real proud of CD yeah. and where he's stepping up, yeah. you know, and uh, we got to get him some help because, uh, you know, we we 88s, we know we can carry the team, but we need some help, yeah. you know. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, just being part of that 88 club is uh, very special. It's got to be cool to be, you know, you're the original guy. That's That's got to mean yeah. a lot to you to well, you kind know, of create you, that legacy almost. You know, I'm a marketing guy, you know, and right. when I retired, I started calling myself the original 88. Okay. Because uh, I'm not the first guy to ever wear 88. Sure. As a matter of fact, Ron Sellers had it the year before, and that's why it was available after they traded him. Okay. You know, when you come in as a rookie then, you had to have a number in the 80s. You know, uh, Golden Richards, second round pick, took 83. Billy Joe was number one. He took 89. 
Uh, we had uh, some other guys, 85, uh, 80, uh, Gene Fugate had 84, 87 was available, uh, 88. So I just took 88. Yeah. And the first time I put it on my uh, rookie year, my first game for the Dallas Cowboys, and this is no preseason, this is a regular season. Real Because I'm still wearing number 13 in yeah. preseason. Right. First time I put number 88 on, I was so small. When I tucked it in my pants, the eights overlapped. <laughs> it looked like I was number eight. <laughs> Coach Laird used to say, Drew, you're so small, so skinny. Why don't you just go up there and stand sideways, and they might miss you out there. <laughs> wow. So anyway, but I, I never, all the years I played in the NFL, I never wore shorts. Through training camp, coming out of that locker room. After, after that, Tulsa hot, or hot, the uh, hot, hot, yeah. I said, I don't want anybody to say, "Hey, he's an NFL player with yeah. legs like that." Yeah. But and so, now that I'm in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, I show him off. You want to see? Yeah, him? yeah. There you <laughs> go. We got we got people watching this, right? You know, we got, yeah, hey, hall, check uh, these hall of legs fame. Out now, that's, baby. that's Hall of Fame. <laughs> but yeah, I'm proud of him now. Yeah. I asked John Lynch, who's in my class. Okay. Know, he's a big VIP. And, yeah. Uh, personnel guy with yeah, the 49ers, 49ers and now, all yeah. that. And uh, after my presentation, I went to him. I pulled up my plants and said, John. <laughs> Would you draft me with legs like that? He said, no way. <laughs> no. So uh, that makes me even more proud that I was able to overcome my legs. Yeah. My dad used to say, always say, I was never big. My dad used to always tell me, you're a small piece of leather, but well put together. Yeah. And okay. I never missed any games in high school. I missed one game in college. I missed three games in the NFL. Yeah. Yeah. And I knew guys that had calves that I wish I had, legs I wish I had, had never made and, it. And but you're you know, you're probably the NFL. you're probably playing through injuries. You're playing hurt, right? Oh you're, yeah. And is that you know you just know that's what it takes to be successful. That's what it takes to uh, perform at that level to yeah. be the 88 that you want to be. That's that's what it takes. Yeah. You know, and and as a pro pro athlete, physical condition is very important. Yeah. But mental conditioning is also very important. You got to be mentally tough to play that game. Yeah. And you got to develop that. And how do you develop that is by come, overcoming adversity, overcoming the challenges, and using those as stepping stones to bigger and better things. I uh, never got uh, disappointed by any challenge that was put in front of me. I embraced them. I didn't look forward to them. I'd like mm -hmm. everybody wants an easy way to get there, but who reaches certain level of success and has the easy road to get there? Yeah. Everybody's road is marred somewhere along the line with adversity and challenges. And, you know, the professional football players is no different, but it's the mental aspect to be able to play through pain. Okay. Yeah. You got to learn the difference between pain and injury. Now, if I'm injured, no, I can't go, you know, and, the first game I missed, I played 100 straight games. The first game I missed, I played my, my 100th game. We're playing the Giants. And they're, you know, I'm from New Jersey, so I'm extra pumped. And Coach Landry knows this. I caught more passes against the Giants than any other team I played against because I'm 20 minutes from Giants Stadium, grew up in a yeah. – Coach Landry You're played ready for go. the Giants, yeah. you know, himself. Yeah. You know, so, you know, when we played them, I, you know, extra fired up. But going – being 
going through the physical part of the game is the most challenging part. So we're, I caught this third touchdown pass against the Giants. Three games, three times. I had a commercial scheduled the next day with Xerox. It was supposed to be the first fax machine. Okay. And I begged Roger to do this commercial. He didn't want to do it because they filming it during the season. I begged Roger to do it because they're going to pay me $25,000. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> and so. Uh, More than you made your first year. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And so I catch the third touchdown in that game and I'm all excited. And after I caught it, I was a little quick sideline route. I didn't know whether to give the ball to the cheerleader or throw it in the stands. And I decided to throw it in the stand. And that indecision, when I threw it in, I landed wrong and wrenched my knee. Mm. And uh, two teammates came and picked me up, carried me back to the bench. And as they're carrying me, Coach Landry looking at me, give me the eye all the way to the bench. I said, I know I'm in trouble. Yeah. But I figured, you know, I, we're going to win this game. You know, we're up. And uh, after I scored that touchdown, we kick off to them. Defense goes on the field. We get a turnover on the first play. Now, I got to go back after yeah. to save face. Yeah. But I'm thinking we're in their territory. You know, we got the lead. We're going to run the football. You know, I think we're on, yeah, we're on a 44-yard line. You know why I know that? Because when I went in there, guess what play Coach Landry called? Fire slant, 45, wing, post. Which is you guess running who the, the post wing route. Is. Yeah. <laughs> That's me yeah. on the post route. Fake the handoff, play action pass. So I got to save face. Do you think he did that because of what yeah. happened before? Yeah. 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 That's Tom Landry. Yeah, okay. Yeah. 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 No doubt about it. <laughs> but I'm going to show him. Yeah. So I... Ran his pass route. I lined up out there, hut one, hut two, and I ran the pass route limping. I mean, I'm hobbling. Yeah. And I think Ray Rhodes, who was the cornerback now, the, the Giants, I think he thought that was a move because <laughs> Oh, you're kind of stutter. Yeah. Yeah. He thought it was a post move. I yeah. mean, a, a move. And I gave him a, shook, a shake and took it to the post. And Roger hit me for the 44 yard touchdown as I limped <laughs> through the end zone. <laughs> Did you go hand the ball to Tom Landry after that? No, no, no. no I, yeah. I didn't mess with yeah. Coach Landry yeah, like that. Yeah, hey, live yeah. to play another day. That's hey, true. Come that's on, true. man. You didn't mess with Coach Landry. So here we go in the next week. We're playing the uh, Philadelphia Phillies in the vet. Yeah. All right? I 100 straight games. And I had, had that commercial. My knee is blown up. Playing the Eagles. All yeah. I could do with the commercial is uh, stand behind the fax machine. They had to get an uh, uh, athlete from TCU that fit my description to do all the running around part. <laughs> Roger's supposed to be in New York. He puts a football in the fax machine. I'm in uh, uh, Texas pulling it out, the fax machine and all that. Oh, wow. Anyway, I get paid and all that. But anyway, we play the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, the next week in Philadelphia, this is pretty much for the NFC East title. Uh, I going through, you know, all week of treatment and everything. The knee is still blown up. It's still tender. I go out there in pregame warm-up and go through the pregame warm-up, and I can't. I know I can't go. And I get back to the locker room. Coach Landry pulls me aside. He said, can you go? 
the hardest thing I ever did as a pro athlete was to tell him no. Because hmm. he's like this. Yeah. We eyeball the eyeball. And I said, Coach, I can't go. You know what he said? He said, why don't you just go out there, keep your streak going, and then come off the field. Start the game and then come off the field. Okay. See, a lot of people didn't know Coach Landry had that kind of compassion. Yeah. They see the stoic face, this toughness. And we as players felt that too. We didn't know he cared that much about us. He didn't even know he knew about my streak. Right. But that's how he was. And so I said, Coach, I don't want it, I don't want it that way, first of all. And second of all, I don't want to hurt the team in any way. So I stood on the sideline that whole game, my knee hurt, and guess we beat the Eagles 13 to 6. Guess who caught the winning touchdown? Butch Johnson, my, my replacement. Came in for you. <laughs> Guess who started next week? Hood, hood. Yeah. yeah, you're going to make sure you <laughs> get your spot back. That knee got better real quick. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't going to let Butch catch catch anything else. Wow. Well, it, it's just, it's an amazing story, Drew. Um, you know, kind of from where you came from, the whole draft process, overcoming yeah. that adversity, a room full of rookies, you know, putting in the work, taking advantage of the opportunity as soon as it comes up for you. I mean, yeah. it's it's a it's a tremendous story and it's led you to the Hall of Fame. Yeah, it really has. And every step along the way was a uh, trying to level up yeah. where you are. Yeah. You know, improve your situation where you are. Right. And you got people around you that you can learn from and what it takes to go to the next level. And I was in in an environment where that was there. Yeah. And it's up to you. Now, we had guys that didn't want to embrace that. But, man, come on, man. You know, you're being taught by Tom Landry, Roger Staubach. It's amazing. People around you like that. Rayfield Wright. I don't catch the Hail Mary if Rayfield Wright doesn't give me 3.5 seconds to get downfield. Blocking Carl Eller, hmm. you know? Because I'm slow. I needed a little extra time. And run that sideline, uh, turn and take off and go down the field to catch that Hail Mary. But, you know, you had guys like that that you wanted to be part of. And you wanted, you knew what it took to be part of that group. Yeah. You had to do it like they were doing it. And you did not want to be the guy to mess up. And uh, it's a blessing how it all, all turned out. Sometimes in life, Rayfield Wright talked about this a lot. Robert Frost poem about the road less travel. Mm -hmm. Sometimes in life, you got to take the road less travel. You know, it might be filled with bumps and obstacles and holes and everything else. But in the end, if you get through that, you know, you might come out better than the one that took the easy way to that's get there. Right. You know? Absolutely. And that's what I always thought about the road less travel. Yeah. Rayfield Wright came from Fort Valley State. <laughs> he was a tight end in college. Yeah. Gil Brandt found him. Wow. He took the road less travel to the NFL. And, uh, you know, I did too. Yeah. And that's my story. And That's a great story. I would like to change it, be a number one draft pick, and see how that road might be. Right. If it could end up the same way. But I don't want to take a chance. Yeah. And maybe that. it's that adversity that kept that fire lit, right? Yeah. The adversity uh, and not getting drafted. Yeah. Every time I took a lap, we had to run two laps around the practice field before every practice. 
That was Coach Landry's thing. Mm -hmm. And every time I took those two laps, I thought about that day not getting drafted, mm. how disappointed I was, how yeah. low I was, how keep going you. back on campus, everybody asking me, what are you going to do now, Drew? What are you going to do now, Drew? And all that kind of stuff. Couldn't yeah. wait to prove them wrong. Yeah. Couldn't wait to prove everybody wrong. And still to this day, you know, in everything that I do, I still have that kind of fire. Yeah. You know, that desire to want to succeed, you know, I, in business, when I left the Cowboys, you know, I, I ran a headwork company for 23 years. I sold hats. Yeah. You know, these things. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but you took a, a an item and you made it work. You made it work. Why? Because you knew how to make it work. How'd you know how to make it work? Well, you spent 11 years as a player and one year as a coach with the Dallas Cowboys. And you're watching everybody and else. You're watching and you're learning. all that and you're learning. Yeah. And, uh, you know, look at the success of some of my guys in their life after football. Roger Staubach, of course, everybody thinks they had the real estate business. Right. You still probably, you know, Patrick Mahomes and all these guys signing these lucrative contractors, contracts, still, no one's made more than Roger Staubach, okay? Yeah. <laughs> all right? In the real estate, absolutely. In real estate, yeah. not yeah. in the game. Yeah. You know, that's why some of our salaries are limited because Roger, the type of person that, you know, He's going to limit his salary as quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys because he's making all this extra money as quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys off the field. Yeah. And so he lumps it all together. But, you know, Leroy Jordan, lumber company for yeah. years, Chuck Halley, uniform business. You know, we all got into something in our life after football because that's how we were taught by Coach Landry and being a member of the Dallas Cowboys. Change your life. You can catch a Hail Mary. A Baptist from New Jersey is now known for the Hail Mary. That's right. I didn't even know what it was. <laughs> I said, what's a Hail Mary? Cowboys went by a Hail Mary. I thought they were calling me a name. <laughs> <laughs> I know what it is well, now. You know what it is now, right. Hail Mary, full of grace, Lord be with thee. And, me and, and Roger, Hail Mary all the way. That's right. And, and you Mary. caught one in high school too, didn't even realize it. Yeah, yeah right? I didn't know what to yeah. call it. Yeah, right. Now we know. <laughs> so, and you know, now in life, you know, everybody goes through Hail Mary situations. Absolutely. Your back's to the wall. Looks like all is lost. Kidneys, braces. Somebody needs to go to college. Somebody needs a new car. Somebody's in jail. Yeah. You know, the job, this and that ain't working out. You know, your back's to the wall. But some way, somehow, we as people overcome those negative situations. Yeah. We overcome that adversity. And uh, what we've done is we caught Hail Marys. Yeah. You just didn't know what to call it. Yeah. You probably had a few Hail Marys oh, in absolutely. your life. You didn't absolutely. know what to call it. Absolutely. I give you something to call it now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to take it. I'm gonna now you're calling it a Hail Mary, That's baby. That's right. That's right. They would ask me what happened. You know, after the game, I'm picking my fro out and nobody's talking to me. I done <laughs> caught the game-winning touchdown. <laughs> you know, everybody's over there talking to Starbuck, yeah. you know. And he's saying, what happened on the play? Roger said, I threw the ball as far as I could. I closed my eyes and said a Hail Mary. Yeah. Next day in a cowboy in the Dallas paper, Cowboys win by a Hail Mary. Takes off. Now, if is. they would have asked me, I would have said, Roger threw the ball as far as he could. I caught it and said, Hallelujah! Hallelujah! <laughs> I'm a Baptist from New Jersey. We won the game. Hut, hut. Let's go. That's great. Hey, good stuff, man. <laughs> All right, Drew. Well, you know, I appreciate you taking the time out here today. Um, just getting this out there. Uh, just such a great story. 
Um, very last thing, we do have a tradition that we talked about here on the uh, the Level of Lifestyle podcast, yes. where uh, all of our guests get a bobblehead of themselves. So nice. um, it's not going to be bobblehead night at AT and T Stadium yet. I don't know not if there yet. if there's been one there. There might be an opportunity here, all right. but um, I want to present you with your official bobblehead from the Level Up Lifestyle. So here wow. you go. I mean, go, could I do that? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, gold jacket and everything. Wow. God, you got it down. We got it. I just put that. We did it without the fro. Because, <laughs> you know, my bust in Let's the get hall. the mic. Put the microphone in there. Oh, yeah. Excuse me. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad they did it uh, without the fro. Uh, but, you know, my bust in the hall. You I got it. It's, it. Yeah. That they have. That's your playing. Right. That's playing the, days. I had yeah. the biggest afro in NFL history. Yeah. I, I need to add that to the. Yeah. I mean, do we add it to your? Yeah, I'll, I'll put I don't it think on you there. Can come up with that. I'll but, put it uh, on there. Biggest in NFL history, and uh, so I had to have the biggest fro in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. So that makes sense. So if you they ask me, you know, if anybody asks you how big is Drew Pearson's afro on his bust in the Hall of Fame. It's the biggest one there. You tell them, no, 14 inches. <laughs> okay. <coughs> and I was I was upset. Only 14 inches? Yeah. He said, Drew, we got to have room for the other bus. Yeah. But yeah, this is the great. Whole thing. This came out very cool, It came out man. pretty cool. So if if you could, if your bobblehead self here with your Hall of Fame jacket could go back in time to you on that day where you go undrafted, you know, you're probably thinking, should I stay in baseball? What am I doing? Why did I stay in Tulsa? Why did I not go back? What is what is your future self going to tell you back then? My future self? My future self would tell you, you made the right choice. You got to, you know, you have an opportunity. You got to make the right choice to make it successful. Yeah. You know? And so everything with me, so I made the right choice. A lot of people think I made the wrong choice when I chose Tulsa. Okay? They criticized me, Nebraska. Yeah, You know, I chose Tulsa over Nebraska. That was my final decision, you know. But they didn't know that was the right choice. Turned out to be the right choice for me. Yeah, Look where it put me. Absolutely. Look where the opportunity it gave me because of that choice. Wouldn't have the Cowboys in that hotel right. room waiting for you. Right. But then everybody's saying, oh, you made the right, wrong choice then. No, but now it's, oh, you made that right choice to choose the Cowboys over Green Bay and Pittsburgh. Yeah. You know, so that's what life is about choices, you know. And even if you make the wrong choice or it turns out not to be the right choice, you still can work through that and turn that around. Yeah. And eventually, and that's what he's telling me. Yeah. Good job, Drew. There you go. Way to go, man. You got it. Right on. And you just keep shaking that head up and down, not this way. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Here we are. That's great. Awesome. Man. All right. Well, Drew, the bobblehead guy is the, pretty good. There you go. Good hey, they, they, they do a good job yes, on these. Yes, they did. They thank do a good you job. so much. Absolutely. Well, thank you for being here. Thanks for sharing your story. Enjoyed and, it, uh, Yeah, we enjoyed it. I appreciate Let's you being up, here. Baby. Let's level do it. Let's, Let's go. Hut, hut. Hut, hut. All right. Thanks, Drew. Thanks for joining us today. We hope this episode has inspired you on your path to success. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next story. See you soon on the Level Up Lifestyle Podcast.